0: What if you could complete your MBA in just one year? Thanks to the College of Charleston School of Business, now you can. Their accelerated MBA program condenses a traditional two-year program into one rigorous year, ensuring you not only save a year of tuition and fees, but also re-enter the workforce quickly and graduate with critical business knowledge. U.S. News & World Report recognized the College of Charleston MBA as number one in the country for its job placement rate within three months of graduation. Learn more at mba.cfc.edu. Good morning, and welcome to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Each Saturday morning at 9, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the Lowcountry talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and, and Leslie Haywood.
1: Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3 and presented by the College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work work They're ready to make an impact. And I promise you, we're going to make an impact in today's show. We're excited to have you join us for another great edition here of Beyond the Business. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cox, with the lovely and talented Leslie Haywood. Good morning, Leslie.
2: Good morning. And thank you, Low Country, for sharing your Saturday mornings with us. And make sure and continue the fun Beyond Saturday mornings and check us out on our Facebook page, Beyond the Business, Beyond the Business, or (laughs) on Twitter, BTBCHS. How are you doing, Eric?
1: Eric? You know what, Leslie? If I was any better, I would be <laughs> Leslie Haywood. So life is pretty good. Uh, rocking and rolling. Hard to believe we're in the fourth quarter. And you know what they say? The game is won in the fourth quarter, Leslie. So here we are down the home stretch of 2021.
2: I can't believe it. I love the sports references, you know. Well, you
1: know, I had to throw one out because we have a sports guy on today. I'm not going to give that away yet.
2: We have a sports guy. I'm fired up. I'm
1: excited and looking forward to getting this interview under our belt. been trying to get him on the show for a little bit. But before we go there, let's talk about last week. We had Mr. John Vong on, who's the owner and founder of Local. SEO search up in Toronto, Canada, a little north of the border action. Uh, What did you think of uh, John's segment last week, Leslie?
2: Uh, It was awesome. There were so many instances in his story um, and his life that gave me that uh, sometimes elusive thing called perspective. I think we could all use a little perspective. He had been through so much um, living in government housing and living without things that we call necessities. So for him, taking the leap into entrepreneurship entrepreneurship didn't seem that scary at all. He was like, yeah, so what if I have to sell my car or live on, you know, $20 a week groceries? He's like, I've already lived on food stamps, uh, went to the local food banks. I I mean, he knew he could survive on very little. So for him, Taking that leap, even though he was older with a family, he wasn't, he wasn't afraid, which was awesome. Again, it was all about perspective for me. I'm like, my kids, they think that they're going to die if they don't have a cell phone. And, you know, he had to go to the, you know, to the food bank for bread. So,
1: It puts it all in perspective. You say, What an amazing show. If you happen to miss uh, John's segment, don't fret. You can go check it out on Spotify or iTunes or go to our website at coastalwm.com. Simply put in Beyond the Business, and you can hear John's show and all of our shows, by the way, going back for the last eight years. And so, if you got nothing better to do this weekend, you can binge listen to Beyond the Business. And uh, what a great segment that was. And by the way, we always talk about get your coffee warmed up, get a second cup. You better triple cup it today because if you're going to keep up with this guy, you better be ready to run. We are excited to have this morning on the show, Coach Pat Kelsey, who's the new coach over at the College of Charleston basketball program. Coach, welcome to the show.
3: Hey, Eric. Hi, Leslie. How are you guys? I'm a big fan of the show. I've watched uh, many of the podcasts, and it's a true honor to be here.
1: Well, we're excited to have you, man, and welcome to Charleston. I know you bring a wave of energy and enthusiasm. The town is ready. We're going to talk all about the program and what you're doing. We can't wait to dive into it because the season is just around the corner. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about that. But before we do, Leslie, you want to take us down the uh, memory lane?
2: Yes, yes. And I, you know what a perfect guest because we do you know entrepreneurship and people that start their own companies, and we do a lot on leadership. What Leadership, it's what coaches do. I mean, this is the, why haven't we done the sports thing before? This is awesome. I'm so Because we haven't
1: had Coach Kelsey in the room. I mean, come on.
2: (laughs) This is awesome. Well, like our show says, beyond the business, people you know, stories you don't. So we're going to take it back and um, we're going to talk a little bit about your upbringing and where you're from. So give us a flavor about where you were born, where you grew up and what life was like.
3: Sure. I'm, uh, from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, huge family. Uh, my mom is one of 10. My father is one of nine. I have 52 first cousins. Oh my uh, I'm one of five siblings. My wife's one of five siblings. There's 21 grandchildren on my, on my side. There's 17 on my wife's side and 99% of them are all in the greater Cincinnati area around the I-275 loop. And we're uh, a couple of the black sheep that got away and and, um, and and love everything about living in the low country. But, you know, I, I think if I had to sum up what uh, what my upbringing was all about, it was about faith and family. And um, even as I've progressed into my professional career, I try to keep my priorities, my priorities, uh, uh, yeah my life priority is very, very simple, and it stays my faith, my family, and my profession. Those three things are uh where I spend the majority of my time but there was a great example set by my mom and dad a long time ago um, in in you know a friend of mine uh who did the eulogy for his uh for his grandfather about three months ago, actually a little bit longer than that um was talking with his grandfather shortly before he passed away. And he said, you know, what, what, give me advice on being a great father. And, um, and without hesitation, my friend's grandfather said back to him, love your wife. Love your wife. And um, that's the main lesson that I learned growing up in my household was uh, the love between my mom and dad. And, and uh, I, I feel like the way that my siblings have gone on to live their life and the impact that hopefully they have in the world started with uh, the core strength in our home growing up between the love between my mother and father. That's awesome.
1: Awesome. So, give us some perspective coach on uh, what you were like as a kid. Were you a studious kid? Were you in trouble all the time or somewhere in between? I think I had ADD
3: before they knew what it was. <laughs> okay. You know, back in the early 80s, I don't think anybody they, they ever came up with a scientific name for it, but man, I couldn't sit still. Um, you know, my sister, my older sister Sally, she was she is brilliant. I mean, perfect student, like photographic memory, teacher's pet, everybody loved her. And my dad tells this funny story. Um, She had Mrs. Davis in 1981 in first grade. And Mrs. Davis ended up being somebody that was very influential in my life for the rest of her life. Uh, She passed away a couple years ago, but I stayed in touch with her for a long, long time. And when my mom and dad came into parent-teacher conferences, uh, a year later, when I was a month into first grade with Mrs. Davis, my mom and dad uh, walked into the room and there was probably, I don't know, 12, 15 other couples, moms and dads that were in there at the open house, right? The parent-teacher conference type day. And Mrs. Davis saw my mom and dad across the room and and uh, said real loud. She was kind of like a boisterous Irish lady that was just, you know, loud and, she was awesome though. And she looked over at my dad and she goes, I can tell you one thing. He's no Sally. My, my mom and dad laughed. My dad's under his, under his breath. He said, no crap lady. But, um, you know, I, I back then they just said you didn't listen very well. They didn't call it ADD, but I, I don't, my mom and dad said all the time, like once I found something I was interested in and it, I'd love to read, uh, it was, but they had to give me sports books and the sports pages. And I would memorize, uh, batting averages of the Cincinnati Reds and read anything I could get my hands on about baseball, basketball, or football. Um, But anyway, I ended up becoming a good student. And in college, I, I, uh, you know, I I was blessed enough to graduate cum laude, but it sure wasn't because I had any type of photographic memory. I I, I like to think it was kind of the things that allow me to be successful in life. And that's just my tenacity and my work ethic. And I was going to explain,
2: Stand on that, because I have people I know in my life who have children that have the exact same challenge. Um, how did that challenge growing up can you? How did that help you? Because I, you know, my with my sister and her daughter, it's hard to find those words of encouragement. I mean, you obviously excelled. You are obviously a, a fantastic leader. Um, is there any inspiration that you can give that maybe that your challenge with ADD or ADHD um, helped?
3: Right. And you know what's funny is like I I don't think I was ever diagnosed with it once sure, I got into sure, adulthood. Sure. I think I just. Uh, Recognized my weaknesses and knew that I had to uh, uh, really be deliberate about slowing down listening and processing, right? And, um, you know, but... When I was growing up, I got, I remember I, I went to listening groups and things like that. And at school, they they would would send me to, you know, specialists and things like that that would help with those type things. So I think that. And then I just think maybe I grew out of it. Right. Just maybe maturity and, and those type things. But what I did find um, was that that, you know, I had to really force myself to concentrate. And even in college, like I said, I ended up being a very, very good student. I had to study a lot, right? I had to pour a lot of time into it and um and it mattered to me. So you know, growing up, I was, I was all boy. I think my mom would say I'd come home and just r- rip off my school clothes, put on my basketball stuff, go out in the backyard and start playing three on three with my buddies. And again, I, I, I think having that strong core at home, having a mom and dad that, you know, that obviously held us accountable at a, at a high level that instilled discipline and then a stay at home mom that, um, you know, that, that, that Held my feet to the fire and made me do my stinking homework and do my reading every single night and uh, just helped me to set me on the course to have successful as I move forward academically. And so, Coach, how did how and where sort of did
1: basketball rise to the surface versus all the other <laughs> sports that you're involved in?
3: Man, basketball. My dad's a businessman, right? Like you guys are. Um, he's been in the car business for 54 years, and you know it's one thing that i that 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 i take great pride in is that i'm the son of a car guy and the reason i say that is you know that business it drives me nuts when i hear somebody say hey you know he's he, he, that when I hear the term, you know, when somebody says something derogatory about a car salesman or a used car salesman or something like that, because guess what? I think it's a noble profession. You know why? Because my father is one of the most upstanding, between your eyes, black and white, uh, high integrity individuals that I've ever met. And, uh, it's put food on the breakfast table for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, so, so I have a lot of pride in the fact that my dad is a car dealer, um, spent the first 46 years of his profession as, uh, uh an executive at one of the biggest car dealerships in the state of Ohio. And then recently in the last five, six years, they've started Kelsey Chevrolet in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, and, and, and they are, uh, they are killing it. But anyway, the long story short, when you ask me when did basketball come into the mix, uh, although my dad is a businessman, uh, I feel like I'm the son of a coach. You know, and there's something in our profession, the basketball profession. When you say the word "son of a coach," every coach knows what that means. A son of a coach is always somebody that loves the game that was brought up in it where the where, where the pick and roll was discussed at the breakfast table every morning it was just part of the daily life and that's how it was in my house. Um, my dad was a college basketball player played at Xavier um, was a was a good player and and there was a, a love in his heart for the game of basketball and there was almost like a ball in my crib when I was a baby. Uh, f- from th- from the moment I was, I-, I can remember basketball was important in our household. Uh, I ended up being a good player and played college basketball. My sister was a really good player, played college basketball, was a great player actually. My brother was a very good player, played college basketball. All three of us were on scholarship. My dad somehow, some way, even though he was in in the in the um, retail automotive industry where hours are ridiculous. Re- Ridiculous, Eric and Leslie. I mean, it's bell to bell, nine to nine, almost every day. Saturdays are your busiest day. My dad calls them their conference games because they're the biggest days of the week. <laughs> um, but he always found time. He always found time to not only be at my games, but coach my team. Um, you know, and the, and the guy that he worked for uh, allowed him to do that. And he knew since he coached my teams, there were no off days. You know, you didn't take off early from work. The time I'm taking off early from work is I'm going to coach Katie and Pat's teams. And that work ethic that I learned from my father, uh, I think, is a major reason why I've been able to have success throughout the course of my life, because I've seen I've seen it firsthand, not only to put in the time, provide for your family, be elite in the profession that you choose, but then at the same time, be a present father, be a father that's there. Uh, shoot. When I played in college, when my sister played in college, when my brother played in college, my parents were at every game and that's around the country. They're in Philadelphia. They're in Florida. They're in California. They're in Ohio. And somehow, some way he's still elite at what he does professionally. And, uh, what a great example of how to live your life, um, be elite at, at, at what you choose as your calling, as your vocation, and then at the same time, be a present and loving father and husband. Wow.
2: Wow, what a what a testament to him! Now, during those late high school college years, what did you think you wanted to do when you grew up? Was the car industry even a thought in your mind because you'd grow grown up in it, or did you always just say I got to do something with basketball?
3: Well, I loved hoop, right? I mean, I was just ate up with it. Um, It was something where my dad never really had to push me to practice, right? Because I just loved it so much, and which I think is another big thing. My dad wasn't that dad where it was like, you know, pushing me beyond belief to be a college basketball player. It was in my DNA and I loved it. Um, you know, even through college, I was a business major. I was a marketing major at Xavier. And, you know, as I'm going through college, it's like, you know, do I want to coach? Do I want to be an entrepreneur? Do I want to go into the business world? I wasn't totally for sure. Um, it wasn't until I played for a man named Skip Prosser, and uh, who, who was my mentor, was my college coach, was my boss at Wake Forest that brought me into the business in 2001. Uh, the time that I played for him in the mid 90s, that's when the light bulb went on that said, I want to be a coach, um, just because I respected him so much. I've already talked about the influence that my dad had on my life, Coach Prosser, Skip Prosser, and look him up. If you don't know who he is, Google him. Um, one of the most extraordinary men and coaches, uh, uh, that, that, that I've ever met and had a profound influence on my life. And, uh, I just wanted to emulate him because I believed in him so much. Tragically, he passed away in the basketball office in 2007. Uh, one of the most impactful inv- events in my life. I was actually there that day. And, um, but you know, he, he, he really inspired me to be a coach.
1: And what did it mean to you, uh, coach, to you know grow up in Cincy, end up going to the college that your dad played ball, end up playing ball at that college, and then end up getting your first associate head coaching job, you know, working there, and just really yeah. being around that program? What what did that mean to you in your life and the fiber of who you are?
3: Yeah. You know, I grew up a big Xavier fan because my dad played there. We had season tickets. I went to basketball camps growing up at Xavier. Um, and and to have the opportunity to put that Jersey on was very special. Uh, but mostly being able to play for a man like Skip Prosser. And then, you know, you mentioned ultimately having the opportunity to go back there and be the associate head coach was, uh, was something that was very special to me as well. So, um, you know, Whether it's all of Cincinnati sports, Xavier basketball, the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, my gosh, Eric, I eat, sleep and drink the Cincinnati Reds and the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, That's my hometown. Right. Uh, I've lived away from Cincinnati for a long, long time. But uh, that's where my family is. And uh, in in a lot of ways, my heart in some ways will will always be there. But um, I've been in the Carolinas now for 18 years. Uh, whether it was eight at Wake Forest, nine at uh, Winthrop in Rock Hill, and then here in one of the greatest, most extraordinary cities in the world, Charleston here for the last six, seven months. And, uh, you know, we we have the Palmetto flag, you know, on our front porch. Uh, I think we're true South Carolinians here recently. <laughs> I think uh, this is 10 years in South Carolina, so I got my y'all card the other day. They're allowing me to say y'all now after 10 years (laughs) in the area, And, uh, and I'm just so pumped up to be here.
2: That's awesome. So in those early coaching years, um, can you give us some examples of maybe when you look back at your early coaching style and maybe, you know, those new leaders that are in new positions of leadership, maybe something that you would have done differently or something that you learned, maybe that's not the way to motivate. That's not, you know, how you inspire people. Um, is there anything you can share with our yeah, listeners Yeah, I, I think that?
3: one thing I would say... Um, you know, so I started my college career as a freshman at the University of Wyoming, uh, way out west. And, um, you know, I, I I look back at that, even though it wasn't a great experience. Um, I learned a lot about kind of what not to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it, I don't want to say anything at all disparaging about, uh, you know, uh, about individuals or things like that. But, um it, it, it helped me to realize that as a leader, um, just because shortly thereafter, I went and played for a man like Skip Prosser who didn't use, uh, intimidation, didn't use, uh, any type of fear to motivate or to teach. Uh, Um, I learned from coach Prosser that, 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 you know, that, that that's not how you have to motivate. And there was a lot of things about my first experience that, um, that were more about that from a, from a motivation and leadership standpoint. Coach Prosser believes and believed, and this is one of my true, uh, at my core, one of my true beliefs of what my major calling is in life. He uses an Emerson quote that says our chief want in life is someone who can make us do what we can. Our chief want in life is someone who can make us do what we can. And he believes that that was what his, uh, what his calling is as a coach to inspire, to push, uh, to help people reach their potential and to reach their limits. And um, man, you know, the funny thing about Coach Prosser is, is I don't think he ever, he ever really raised his voice at me. He never really yelled at me. He never really, but there was something about disappointing him that, 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 that I, I was so fearful of doing. And I think more than anything, it's because of, you know, the respect that I had for him. My first interaction and first meeting with him, he invited me to a practice over Christmas break when I was transferring from Wyoming. And I, I went to the practice, walked in the top part of the arena, sat in the last row, and I watched the first 30 minutes of practice, and I was captivated just by the energy and the positiveness, uh, the bounce in the step of everybody, the, the, the effort that was being given. And he noticed me being up in the top row, sent a manager up to get me. I came down and he introduced himself, told me to sit right in the center court at sort of the scores table. And I watched the next hour and a half of practice, and it was more of the same thing. And it was, you could just see the floor being his classroom, right? And he had this ability to teach and teach lessons through whether it's historical references, short quips, um, sound bites, just just his way of teaching was special. And after the practice, again, I, I still hadn't really totally decided that's where I was gonna go. But he brought the team into the circle after practice, and he's kind of giving them the rundown of the next day and, you know, follow up from practice. And, and then at the end, he said, all right, fellas, everybody stand up, come in here and put your, put your arms in, you know, put your arms in, which we do at the end of every practice. And you usually say, one, two, three, Xavier. So as he gets everybody in, he, st- he goes, whoa, 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 stop. And he moves everybody out of the way, and I'm sitting over at the scores table, and he goes, Kels, get over here so I go, yes, sir. So I get up and come over and he goes, put your hand in here. I said, and he goes, fellas, this is our team now. One, two, three, Xavier. And he had me from that (laughs) moment. I would Uh, not run through one wall for him. I'd run through five. Um, you know, and, and, and to be honest with you, you know, I was a scholarship player at the university of Wyoming and he didn't offer me a scholarship right away. They didn't have a scholarship. Uh, And I went there as a walk on paid my own way and ended up earning a scholarship, but never did he treat me any different than any other player that was on scholarship.
1: That's awesome.
3: That's awesome. um, You know, and it's it's just kind of taking his lead on how you treat people, how you carry yourself, how you motivate, um, how you inspire.
1: So before you are about to run out of time, unfortunately, I want to try to get this in quickly uh, because we're in the, you know, beyond the business, we talk about entrepreneurs and them leaving corporate America and they jump into the shallow waters of entrepreneurship. In your world, it was jumping out of an uh, an associate assistant coaching role into the head coaching role. And so if you don't mind, we've got about a minute left. Just give us some thoughts and, and emotions on what it was like to take that
3: first head coaching job. Yep. Here's the best way I can describe it in a minute. You look, at the, you look at a bench, right, with your team and staff sitting on a bench and the head coach, let's say, is sitting in the first seat and the top assistant is sitting in the second seat and there's about 12 inches between the head coach's seat and the, and the top assistant's seat. And it might as well not be 12 inches, it might as well be 12 miles because the difference between suggestions and decisions are major. And uh, when the buck stops with you and everybody in your organization and their families rely on the decisions that you make, uh, it becomes heavy. And you know what I'm talking about in terms of business. But When the buck stops with you, man, it's a different deal. I thought I was smart as an assistant. And then I move up to that seat. Now, all of a sudden, you got to start making decisions and not suggestions. It's a whole different ball of wax.
1: <laughs> well, we look forward to diving into that part of the story and certainly hearing about your trip coming over to Charleston. Again, Coach Pat Kelsey from the College of Charleston basketball program. We're so excited to have you on today. Thanks for sharing your story, and we look forward to having you back next Saturday morning.
3: Eric, Leslie, thank you. This is so much fun. I appreciate it. Our and city. Again, and again,
1: you've been listening to Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3. And until next Saturday morning, Low Country. Have a blessed
0: week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Tune in next Saturday morning at nine for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC. The College of Charleston School of Business is recognized among the top 30 colleges for studying business abroad by the Business Research Guide, With nine undergraduate majors, ten minors, and six concentration areas, an honors program in business, and master's programs in business and accountancy, the College of Charleston School of Business has more than 3,000 students enrolled. Their students are ready to work, and they're ready to make an impact. For more info, visit sb.cfc.edu.